Hello, I'm Katie Piper, and welcome to my podcast, Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Each episode, I'll meet an amazing person with an incredible story who faced adversity and came through the other side to inspire others. Welcome to part two of this special three-part series in collaboration with AXA PPP Healthcare, the health insurance provider that works with the world's best wellbeing experts. So in this episode, I talk to journalist and author Bella Mackey. She's suffered with anxiety and depression all of her life. Then I speak with Dr. Mark Winwood, a practicing therapist in London, who tells us about where you can go to get help if you're experiencing something similar. I'm joined today by journalist, author and runner, Bella Mackey. Bella has struggled with anxiety at quite the sort of severe end of the spectrum and depression pretty much all of her life, as long as she can remember from childhood. And she finally made a breakthrough when she discovered running. She's written a fantastic book, a best-selling book, and she's here today to talk to me about this incredible journey. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Um, sometimes I introduce people and talk about their achievements, and you've had some pretty amazing achievements, but I'd like to ask you to introduce yourself, um, if that's okay. Okay, yeah, gosh. Um, so I am Bella, and I uh, was a journalist for 12 years, and not very extraordinary at all, really. And I recently wrote a book called Jog On, which is about um, anxiety and depression and obsessive compulsive disorder and how I was sort of afflicted with these things throughout my life. And and then I found running, which helped me kind of not cure those things, because obviously you can't cure mental health problems, but really lessen those those things for me and, and allow me to live like a full and happier life. And I think what's extraordinary for me is that the reaction has been sort of so overwhelming. Um, Sunday Times bestseller. Yeah. And was it was it, it was like with Michelle Obama? She was Michelle Obama one, was number two. one. I was number two. I'm okay yeah. with that. Like I will take <laughs> that's it. Cool. Yeah. I was like, that's fine. Miss Miss Obama can be number one. That's fine. Um, but yeah, like the feedback from people who mm. kind of have found exercise to be a similarly helpful thing, or from people who want to try it, or you know, a bit a bit further down the road now you know people who said I've started running because of your book Mm. and I feel so much better so yeah for me that's just been the most incredible thing ever you are really um I've listened to lots of interviews of you and you're very authentic um you're not kind of fluffy you know you're quite matter of fact about things and some of the books I've written I dread promoting which sounds really bad but like when they are revealing and it's good to be revealing in the right context. Mm. But then if you have to do an interview of a red top tabloid and they're gonna take a line yeah. out of context. And you know, and, and if you do have anxiety, sometimes the build up to that promo can give you more anxiety. Oh my god. In January I was a complete mess. I was yeah. crying constantly. I can see yeah. I was sort of having, you know, really intrusive thoughts about stuff. I was I was a complete mess because mm-hmm. of the promo and the reaction and like you say, you know, you write something and then actually the promo is completely different because yes. it's out of your hands then. And you're, as you say, someone can turn one line into the kind of main story. Or yeah, But also, you know, having to explain over and over and over again your story, you know. It's not good for you. No, it's not good for <laughs> yeah. you. You know, unless you're doing it with a therapist. You know, yeah. It's not actually very helpful for you as a person. But what I guess you're hoping is that you help other people in the process, which is kind of what you've got to remember and hold on to. Yeah. So without me now then leading on to, so tell me all about your life. <laughs> And doing exactly the same to you. Um, it 
you know, anxiety, depression is something we're hearing a lot more about today. When did you realise that you were actually even kind of identifying with those feelings and those mental health problems? Yeah, I mean... So we're, I think we're a similar age. I mean, I'm, um, yeah, I'm I might 35. be old. Yeah, so yeah. we're the same age. Yeah. Okay, good. I don't want to insult you. <laughs> no, You're like, I'm 31. No, I'm old. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so obviously growing up, I don't know if you felt the same, but, I, you know, mental health wasn't talked about really in school. No. You know, it wasn't something that I, I understood was a kind of concept apart from, you know, what you'd hear about kind of mad people. And, Schizophrenia, yeah, exactly. psychosis. Yeah. yeah. And it was always in such a negative light. Yeah. You know, You're always, being locked away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think... I didn't realise there was anything really wrong with me until I was in my sort of late teens. But obviously, once you understand mental health issues, you know, you look back and you think, actually, I was an anxious kid. Mm. You know, I was explaining, I was displaying sort of elements of obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, as young as like seven or eight. Mm. Um, and OCD is quite misunderstood because everyone thinks it's you're really clean. Yeah. Or you line up Coke cans. Yeah, so. I don't know where the kind of, I don't know why OCD has been sort of so fundamentally more misunderstood perhaps than like anxiety or depression. I mean, I know everything is sort of stereotyped, but yeah, OCD is talked about as kind of, you know, yeah, exactly, you order, order or cleanliness. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, OCD is about kind of having terrible thoughts and then trying to neutralise them or, you know, make them go away or sort of bargain with them. So is that um, what it was for you then, intrusive yeah, thoughts? Yeah, so it's kind of worrying thoughts, you know, an intrusive mm. thought is just a thought you don't want to have that sticks in your mind. Yeah, which we all get, I it's think. all like, get, Yeah, you know, all of us. You know, the classic example is, you know, uh, standing on a tube line and you think, I could push that person in front of the train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you think, God, where did that come from? You know, I would yeah. never do that. If I ever meet people famous, I always think, imagine if I slap them around the face when they're talking to me. <laughs> Especially if you meet someone like Royal. I always That's think, amazing. what would happen if I just slapped Prince yeah, Harry? You know? Right. I don't know why. It's just, it's no, just exactly. Kind of, yeah. But it's just a kind of disruptive thought in your mind. Yeah. And... And presumably, hopefully, you sort of think of it and go, oh, God, that was weird. Yeah. But it doesn't kind of disturb you to a point that you sort of think, oh, my God, what does this say about me? You know, Mm. I must be a bad person or it must mean I want to do that. And Mm. then you're sort of arguing with the thought and you're sort of... And then you say, okay, well, if I do this, it proves that I don't mean the thought, you know. Mm -hmm. So you sort of start engaging with the thought, giving it power, and it becomes a kind of obsessive thing where, you know, that's when the things like the cleanliness come into... Yeah, because you start going. Well, if I wash my hands ten times, perhaps you know control exactly yeah. it won't happen. Or I turn on this light switch ten times. So it's exhausting. Then. It's exhausting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so yeah. So that's a long winded way of saying started really early. Um, yeah, but I didn't realize what it was until much later. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess and so that was like your teens. Mm. But like you, I went through a period in my life of because am, am I right in saying your difficult times were primarily in your twenties? Yeah, Is yeah, that right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. So that was the same for me and and a lot of the stuff I read about you reminded me of myself of like I um, was single for a long time in my 20s originally I thought by choice then when I changed my mind it it wasn't by choice and it was lonely and it was difficult Um, and I became depressed and anxious and running really helped me Um, and I wondered what it's like on reflection now looking at your 20s because my friends were like getting mortgages they were getting married they were talking about kids and I was just like 
drinking, running, not running, being depressed, staying at home for long, long periods all the time. And it's a different, you know, people look back and they say, time of my life, my 20s. Yeah. I'm like, never want to go back. No, me neither. And I also, I feel exactly the same way. I think my 20s were like this period of like messy, lonely, you know, feeling like I was not at the same stage as everyone else, feeling like I needed to catch up. And I got married when I was 20. Eight, twenty-nine. I can't even remember now. Right. Because you know, partly because I was like, oh God, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wasting my life. You know, I'm mm. not. I'm, I'm, behind, I'm. I need to catch up with everyone and blah blah blah. What like up up until then? Like, what had your home life been like? Were your parents together? Yeah, yeah. my parents were together. Yeah. Um, but because I was so anxious in my twenties, I hadn't like gone out of London for uni. Mm. I hadn't left my parents' house till I was. I didn't move out until I was twenty-six. Okay. Um, so I was really kind of tied to this very small area. You know, mm. sort of mentally and physically, I couldn't really break free of anything yeah um and so I sort of just sat there feeling quite like everyone else is doing stuff spreading their wings yeah you know, growing and I am stuck here sort of too scared to you know live away from my family um because it felt overwhelming yeah I just of... I just couldn't you know? yeah I, mean, I just didn't have the tools to do it I was completely sort of locked into this spiral of like anxiety and depression so so yeah I just I mean there wouldn't have been a hope in hell of me doing that really and all that's so invisible Oh, completely. Do you know, like, if you'd been the friend that had had a physical, visible difference Mm. or disability, then there might have been more open conversation around that. But other people might have just thought, are you shy? Are you lazy? Are you defiant? Mm. You know, it could be so confused, you know. Completely that. So either you're sort of shy and lazy or... It's like, oh, Bella's funny. You know, she's great. She's doing really well. She's fine. Mm. Did you did you ever feel that in social situations, you know, and that British, like, how are you? And to be like, I'm great. And just, mm. you know. Yeah. And I mean, especially since the book has come out, I feel like, how am I allowed to be, like, to feel sad or anxious? Mm. And does that mean that, you know, my book is a lie? You know, that yeah, I sort yeah, of, yeah. I've I sold that. people a fraud? You yeah. Know? yeah, exactly. This idea that you've sort of written something you hope is kind of, in some way motivational, helpful. Yeah. But you also want to be able to say, oh no, actually today is terrible. You know, I've had an awful day and I feel like, you know, rubbish. We have to be able to say like, you can know about this stuff and have made progress and have some advice. Mm. And it's also an ongoing process for you for the rest of your life, you know. Yeah. Of course. And you talk quite openly about therapy. Before you picked up the trainers for that first ever Mm. run, what other things had you tried or had you tried anything else? I had. I tried loads of things because I was so I was so lucky. You know, I have a really lovely, you know, family that had resources and, mm. and were able to kind of help me. So I had therapy and I went to see psychiatrists. And Did I your family thought, understand it or were they no, like, oh, have we failed? Have we yeah, done something? Yeah, yeah, it was massively yeah. that. It was kind of what's wrong with her, you know. I think for a long time it was Bella's a warrior, you know, yeah. that kind of Bella's a warrior. No, yeah. Bella is Bella is struggling. Yeah. Um, but that that's not their fault, you know. There wasn't a climate of this is how you help a child with mental health problems. This is how you recognise someone struggling. It wasn't yeah. like that. So, yeah, they, they really blamed themselves and they didn't know what was going on, but they were very helpful in kind of saying, I don't know what this is, but let's get you to a doctor. Or That's good. So, so yeah, I saw lots of therapists and psychiatrists. I took I took medication, which I'm really open about talking about because I think people yeah. need to talk about it more. Do you still use medication now? When when I need to, yeah, okay. definitely. God, yeah. yeah. So over January, I was like back on antidepressants. So I think, yeah, so actually medication, it's like, you know, having diabetes and taking a drug for yeah. that or, you know, having a broken leg and having bandage you know medication is vital for some people yeah 
And and yeah, there's that thing of well, why can't I just do it with positive thoughts and mm. affirmations and exercise and all of those things? Why why do I need meds? You know, am I failing? So in your twenties, did you attach shame to it? I mean, yeah. obviously now you're being really honest, but yeah, I mean back there, and also it was a different when we were twenty. It was yeah. completely different. The, yeah. You know, the people didn't share. We didn't have the platforms to share. Um, and I, for me, I used to think, particularly when I was having really bad mental health problems, I used to think, well, I might get sectioned. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. that was the kind of worry. Yeah, for me. it was kind of that was kind of the end goal, like not goal, anti goal. You thought, yeah. okay, well, if I tell people this, they'll think I'm kind of crazy, yeah. and then I'll end up, you know, in a in a home. That was my dream actually, though, because when I was at my worst, I just thought I just want to be sectioned. What was your worst then? It was. It was sort of a culmination of huge anxiety, so I sort of couldn't really leave my house properly yeah. because I was sort of very agoraphobic and just would have panic attacks, you know, in the local Sainsbury's yeah. or, you know, whatever it was. So quite crippling for every really, day. Yeah. yeah, and then I was having sort of completely weird intrusive thoughts. Con- mm-hmm. You know, literally every five seconds it was like a terrible loop of kind of, am I going mad? I think I'm going mad. Yeah. I'm going mad. Um, so it was that plus anxiety plus kind of hysterical crying all the time. Yeah, so and you couldn't function. Things, no, then. no, I just wanted to die. You know, and not not in a kind of suicidal way. No. I just thought I just want to die, and I kept saying to my mum, "Can I please? Can you just put me in hospital? Can you just put me in hospital?" How hard for your mum? I know my poor mum. Yeah, I know because obviously she... wanting to help, but it's not like something you can fix. No, you know, it's not like your kid sort of just sit there going, "Please put me in hospital," and she has no idea. You know, she has no experience with this. Luckily, mm. she's never had mental health issues. You know, and she just obviously would have thought. Oh my god, what's going on? Yeah, here? but yeah. So at that moment, you know, I definitely was sort of. It was sort of lowest, lowest point. Yeah, really terrible. And then, how did you? Because before you started running for mental health reasons, were you an exercise person? No, God, like, no. Like, like, were you in like sweaty Betty doing <laughs> oh yoga? Oh my God, like, no, 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 not at all. I was the kind of I'm going to go clubbing, then I'm going to come home and eat seven bags of Doritos, yeah. <laughs> drink full fat coke and smoke 20 cigarettes. I, I feel like not... that's a lot of people, don't you? Yeah, like, you think that's God. common, that's normal. So common, but yeah. the thing that we now see on like Instagram or wherever is, is you know, the healthy... Spirulina. Yeah. yeah, and that's fine, you know, if that's kind of who you are. But, but yeah, no, I was definitely way more of the kind of, I sit on my couch, you know, I drive to the shop. Mm. I think exercise is weird and people that exercise, I think they're sort of complete weirdos. I'm she like, says this at opposite me in running gear and a hoodie. Yeah, I, I mean, was now like, I'm part of my... <laughs> yeah. My own cult smug, of runners, like, yeah, yeah, so smug. <laughs> Turn up here, like, yeah, I'm just gonna run home. Um, but no, God, until I was thirty, I hadn't exercised really since school. Right. So, yeah. where was this turning point? You know, you've been through this terrible time in your twenties. You've had this marriage. When when was this turning point to start running? So it was really after my husband left me. My first husband. I like being able to say first husband. Yeah, it sounds I've, quite yeah, exquisite. And I, say, I also say current husband, which I think freaks my husband out a bit. Yeah, but, you know, keeps him on his toes. Um, so yeah, he just left and and I thought, oh no, like this is definitely like a turning point. It's a fork yeah. in the road of I'm about to be 30, I've got all these mental health problems, my husband's just walked out on me. Such a difficult time for any woman. 30. Yeah, exactly. You're sort question of freaking lots out of about it. And yeah. I sort of had thought I faked it till I maked it in a way. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I've got married, you know, I've got a flat. I'm sort of living the life on the outside that on paper yeah, that you I'd should like, be. Yeah, I'm really yeah. nailing these goals. Yeah, and then it all fell apart, and I thought, oh no, I can see what's going to happen here. I, was, I thought I'm going to get worse now. You yeah, know, my mental health is going to deteriorate. I could sort of see it happening as he was walking out the door. I was like, but I oh, think God. anyone would fit, no matter what your sort of mental health background was at that point, at that happening to you in your marriage. I think anyone would struggle, wouldn't oh, they? Oh yeah, no, of course. But yeah. it was more that, you know, I think 
breakups are obviously impossible for anyone, especially divorce. But but a lot of people have coping skills. You yeah. know, and I just didn't feel like I had any coping mm-hmm. skills at all. So it was kind of a double whammy of, oh, God, what am I going to, you know, will yeah. my coping skill be? I lock myself further away in my house. Yeah. You know, I do less and less. I, I interact less. I have less ambition. And I sort of just decided that I had to do something. You know that period when you break up with someone, you're sort of not in your right mind. Yeah. You know, that's why people go and get haircuts. Yeah, irrational kind of. Yeah, you're just kind of so angry and, you know, ah. Yeah. Um, So I think what I thought was I'll try exercise because I think I thought partly I need to kind of run away a bit. Yeah. And partly, I think, for shallow reasons, I thought I'll just, I'll get really fit and look amazing. Yeah, revenge. Yeah, revenge (laughs) body, whatever. Um, and so that's kind of how I landed on running and, and I don't know why it was running and not, you know, I don't know, softball or trampolining yeah. or whatever it I guess was. it's just free and you can do it whenever, exactly. can't you? Like, yeah, I think yeah. for me, that's why I like it yeah. because if you don't plan to do it, you can just, you don't have to book the class, you know, it's just there all the time. And do you, when you go out, because you've got two kids now, do you yeah. sort of take 20 minutes when your husband's at home or yeah so I when I was doing it properly religiously I'd wake up before the house wakes up so like the everyone That's gets dedication. yeah I mean but I, but again like you I really needed it because mm. I was in a really bad place and I knew the other option was really struggling if I didn't do it mm. um and then when I was single because I did it a lot because I was lonely yeah and I had some problems with alcohol and it would stop me either drinking that night or drinking later because I had to get up for the run the next day. I've so, also done that. That kind of like yeah. there is there are studies which say that exercise like running can like sort of uh, restrict or kind of control your bad habits. So like yeah. alcohol, drugs, um, food like junk food. Yeah, yeah. That your body sort of once you start doing exercise like that, your body naturally sort of lowers its intake of those things. I I definitely think it does because for me it was like accountability. So like in the evenings, my you know because my friends were engaged and moving in, they didn't want to out on a Monday night so I was like I could stay in and drink or eat food or I could go for a run in the evening and I lived in you know in London so if you run in the evening in London it's like crowded streets you don't feel alone you don't feel isolated I mean I'm not necessarily like the fittest person like I don't push myself to run further each day you know I just get my run in the bag and that's it you know I actually sometimes hate running and I wonder do you like running I'm clearly addicted to running. I yeah. clearly am like, you know, I'm I'm a cult leader or a cult follower and I think it's the best thing in the world. Some days I hate it. Yeah. You know, some runs, I would say 40% of my runs, I'm just getting through it. It's quite nice, actually, how unpredictable it is. Yeah, it keeps I quite on like your toes. that. Yeah, because, you know, you could think, well, I've, I can wake up feeling down for no reason at all. And I can think, well, I'm, I, should, I should feel really grateful for the position I'm in, but I don't. And also, I think that's why I kind of got drawn to your message of it wasn't trying to give people an answer, fix them, tell them to cheer up. It was kind of acknowledging this happens. I've tried running. It works for me. Maybe you should try it, you know. I mean, completely. I think, you know, it is, yeah, all the variations of the cheer up message, you know, mm. all kind of, come on, get yourself out of it. Or, or you know, the other thing is people sort of saying, well, this worked for me. It will work for you. You know, you will you will be cured by this. And if you're not, there's something wrong with you or you're not working hard enough. You yeah. Know? And I, I sort of cast around in my 20s for things that I thought, you know, would help me. And I tried hypnosis and I tried, you know, hot, like calming teas and, yeah. you know, all of these kind of things that were just nonsense and weren't going to sort of really help me in the long term. And, and yeah. I remember just every time thinking, oh, you know, OK, it's me then, you know, I'm not working hard enough or I'm too I'm too deep seated with these problems. Mm. And actually, yeah, you just want to say this has helped me, it might help you. This mm. is how you do it if you want to do it. But I think for mental health, it's like 
actually it's not just running or therapy or drugs or whatever it is. It's like having a whole toolbox of mm. things that can help at, at certain points. So, you know, if you get injured and you can't run, you know you can fall back on, you know, CBT or therapy or, you know, baking or whatever it is that yeah. you have in that toolbox. Your outlet, yeah. Exactly. And it should be more than one thing and it should be sort of you're able to fall back on different things at different times, yeah. I think. What was your first run? Was it? Like, I think it was three minutes. Oh, God. Okay. But it was three yeah. minutes with walking breaks. Yeah, yeah. You know, so really yeah. short, you know, not in any way sort of something that I could count as a kind of a massive achievement. But, yeah. but the only way I stuck at it was because I built it up really slowly. Yeah. If I tried to run kind of 3K and then stopped, you know, I wouldn't have done it again. I'd have thought, this is horrendous. I hate this. You yeah. Know? I think having a really specific motivation is probably the most helpful thing that you can do when you start. Because yeah. I think if you go, oh, you know, I think I'm doing this for my health. I don't know what that means. You know, yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. And then you go, oh, I suppose I should go out today because I said I'd do it for my health. It's and like, that's a chore. That's, yeah, a, why that's already you? like an yeah. annoying thing you have to do. You Something know? you don't really know what, why you're doing it, what it's good for. I think you need to be quite specific. Like, I would like this to help me reduce panic attacks or I would like to do this because I want to feel really strong or, yeah. you know, I want... 20 minutes away from my screaming kids you know I think you have to have quite a specific goal yeah. and that goal can change but I just think yeah. at the beginning that's what's going to get you out of the house so one thing I wanted to go slightly back on was talking about being single mm. um, so when you when your marriage number one finished how long were you single for in your 20s my 20s, I was single. But it was 30, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but in my 20s, I was basically single the whole yeah. way through my 20s. You know, I had like ill-fated kind of, you know, six months here, three months there. But like really, I was single for nearly all of my 20s. And then my marriage broke up within eight months. So there was mm. not like a long space of that. And then um, I was single from 30 or 29 to 33. Yeah. So again, like I have been single nearly all of my life you know being with being with someone is the is the rare thing for me yeah and then yeah so I met my husband two and a bit two and a half years ago two and three nearly three years ago but what was great for me actually was being divorced I was like right well you know I've really tanked and burnt that whole thing <laughs> of like getting married having kids by 30 it's not going to happen so I might as well you know take some time out, be on my own, try and get comfortable with that. So did you enjoy it then? Yeah. So you weren't really, scared and single? No, it coincided with running. Yeah. And actually the two things together, I felt strong, I felt happy, my mental health was, in, you know, I felt like it was under control. And actually I really enjoyed being single. I really enjoyed getting to know myself and realising that with my first marriage, you know, I didn't know myself. I, didn't, I was a complete insecure wreck and sort of dealing with all these issues. And actually... Mm. I realised that no relationship was going to work while I was like that. So actually, yeah. I went into my husband number two. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this. I feel bad now. <laughs> we'll um, block him from yeah. the podcast. <laughs> um, and I went into that really knowing who I was and, and sort of thinking, well, this is who I am and how I'm going to live. It's and completely different. Yeah, completely yeah. different. Yeah. Um, well, I wondered actually, you know, I wanted to know, um, what does everyday life look like for you now? That's a really good question, because I think in the book I wrote about how I lived a half-life mm. when I was, you know, really locked into kind of mental health problems. And, you know, that was kind of, it looked like a life. Mm. You know, if you looked from the outside, you'd say she's got a job and a, a friends and a flat. And and actually inside it was kind of everything was a boundary. Everything was, I was boxed in and, mm -hmm. and I was sort of faking it really. Yeah. And I think now life looks like anyone else's life, you know, and, and that is like a small achievement, you know, I have not climbed Everest, you know, but, yeah. but for me, it's now like, I don't wake up. And the first thing I think about is 
terror, doom and gloom. Yeah. You know, oh my God, you know, what if someone dies today? You know, what if I get hit by a car? I can't go out. Oh my God, yeah. you know. So for me, it's like I walk up and I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, oh, I have to go walk the dog or I have to write. Or, and for me, that's like something that has never, was never the case in my life for most of my life until mm. I was sort of 31, 32. And it feels like the biggest triumph, you know, I couldn't tell you. It's like tiny triumph, but to me, enormous. You know, and on all our challenges are, on again, not top trumps, you know. So yeah. when we deal with something, we don't have to compare it to someone else. And I, I've learned not to do that. So for, for me, the fact that I don't have panic attacks and the fact that I don't have intrusive thoughts and the fact that I can go on holiday and not feel scared, I can mm-hmm. feel excited. Or, yeah. you know, I don't have to live at home with my parents who I love, but, you know, I think it's really yeah. nice that I don't have to do that anymore, yeah. you know. And so for me, you know, the fact sometimes I, you know, I still I'll run into town and I'll be in the middle of Oxford Street or wherever it is, you know, somewhere yeah. sweaty and crowdy. And I, I hate just Oxford think, Street. Yeah, everyone yeah. hates yeah. Oxford Street. Or when I go on the tube, right? Yeah. And I think I didn't go on the tube for sixteen years because really? I was too scared because and, of the agoraphobia. Yeah, and yeah. I just would have panic attacks and mm-hmm. I just couldn't do it. And and I get on the tube now and I think. I am a boss. Like, I am amazing. And I text my husband, I'm like, I love the tube. And he's like, you are such a newbie because everyone hates the tube and you're sitting there like, it's so fun. Yeah. Or getting on plane. How did you get on the tube the first time after not wanting all those years to be on it? It was running and I got, I ran somewhere really far. I ran to like Richmond or somewhere and I thought, it's too far to run home now. Yeah. And I thought, maybe I could, oh, could I, could I do the tube? Oh, I don't know. And I decided I would get on it and I'd do three stops and see how I felt. Then I would get off and get a cab yeah so I, I started really small and I'd do like one stop journeys yeah and quite I built measured and yeah. yeah and I would take food with me and like a bottle yeah. of water and sort of you know oh god and but from running and from feeling independent it gave me that feeling of like oh I can do this yeah like, I can I can do that and so for me running has taught me not to be scared it's taught me like okay well you can do this you're strong enough you can do it test it out see how it goes mm. and and because of that I've tested out other things in my life and and been able to do those. So it's it's like unleashed this chain of events of like realizing that if I try something, it's it's gonna be it's not gonna be as scary as I think. Yeah. So that's what what's given me. Yeah. I think it's quite reassuring for younger women listening, because younger women are taught to fear aging, getting older. Mm. And really a lot of what you're saying is as you got older, life got a lot better. And it wasn't like a magic cure or a specific moment. It was just life has actually improved with age. And that's not a message we ever hear from anybody. Really, no, because I know. guess what does it sell? You know, if you're 35 and you're saying how great life is as a 35 year old, you know, what? who is buying that? You yeah. know, where's the profit in it? You know, the commercial actually, world doesn't like that. It doesn't like it. And actually, yeah. but it's true, you know, women in their 30s so often say, oh my God, getting older is so good I feel so much more comfortable I feel so strong you know I feel independent but what everyone else wants you to hear is kind of you've got crow's feet you know you've yeah. got wrinkles you yeah know, and that's a flaw sagging. and yeah yeah and that's you know you shouldn't worry about that or fertility or whatever it is and actually there are so many wonderful things about getting older and like you say I would not be in my 20s for a million pounds yeah. now I feel like talking to you you feel so free do you know what I mean? I just feel this lightness around about you. You're oh. just not, you don't feel like a weighed down person. You no, know? I don't think I feel like that. And probably that's because, you know, I'm so lucky in lots of respects. And, and partly it is because I think when you have been sort of hunkered down with anxiety for such a long time. Yeah. And you find your way out of it and and it and it keeps working. So it's not like, you know, brief respite. Yeah. You sort of just do feel quite sort of 
I feel quite giddy about a lot of life. But you're a realist, though, I think. Oh, yeah. You're not like a fluffy kind of... Oh, God, happy, no. Clappy kind no. of, you know. There's no motivational quotes here. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> nothing like that. That's all crap for me. Um, you know, I, I'm not a wellness person. I'm not a happy blah, blah person. I'm very much a, like, cynical, oh, my God, it could all come crashing right. down tomorrow. But... Um, and and that you know, works for you, that approach. That's does, your yeah. thing. Yeah. It's just day by day and, you know, and... and Who's and, your support network? Good question. My husband's great. Yeah. Um, and my sister has just been, you know, she's the person that would come and pick me up, you know, That's if I cool. was kind of on the floor. Um, and then all my friends are fantastic because they've sort of been living with this for years, you mm. know, me sort of. Um, True sort friends. Of, but yeah, being a sort of shell wreck. Um, I love that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get that as our tabloid headline. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah, Bella, shell wreck. Uh, and then, you know, having like a good therapist that I could always go back to if I needed to was really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I think the problem with anxiety and mental health is that quite often you seek reassurance. Yes. And you're looking for sort of people to kind of help you, look after you, tell you it's going to be all right. Yeah. And actually, reassurance isn't helpful long term. It doesn't work like that, yeah. And yeah. so actually, you need to be your fallback, really. Mm. I know that sounds so sort of, you know, on a Hallmark card, you you know, the hero is you, is inside of you. But, but, but it's you, an honest answer, but it's true. isn't it? You yeah. do need to be, you have to be able to reassure yourself. You need to be able to kind of know that, you know, if you, if you crash again, that you can help dig you out of yeah. it and that's not to say you don't need other people because no man is an island but yeah but you do need to you need to trust point, yourself yeah. It? yeah and I think so often mental health stuff and and, and trauma and, and life circumstance mean that we feel so insecure and sort of helpless but, yeah but you really need to be sort of strong enough to to be able to kind of guide yourself I think mm. yeah otherwise it doesn't matter how many people are there does it no no because they could it, they could be all around you willing you on trying to support you in exactly. all ways and it's just it's not going to be possible yeah, you know, it exactly. goes back to that you can't just cheer up because they're all helping you exactly you know but oh I've really really enjoyed talking oh, thank to you thank you so much for yeah, having me well thanks for being just so honest um, because that's what's helpful to everyone that's listening and, and downloading um, so if anyone has read your book that we've been talking about it's called jog on jog on yeah how and running saved my life yes <laughs> amazing title love that um and they can buy it everywhere yeah, yeah. everywhere and anywhere. What, what's your name on instagram if uh, they want to follow? it's bella mackey Okay, and they can follow you, you there. Can come um, and follow me. It's mainly outfits and running. And I dogs. did have a little stalk this morning. I was like, I'd love your fashion sense. So cool. <laughs> I'm so I've let you down today with my bloody running gear. Well, Sorry. It, it led into a good chat. Yeah, so there we true. go. Yeah. Thank you so much. So my pleasure. If you're experiencing anxiety, it really can help um, to take some of Bella's advice and get out there and exercise. But also something that I found really helpful is to talk to somebody who is in your corner. I'm joined by Dr. Mark Winwood, who is a director of psychological services at AXA BPP Healthcare and a practising therapist here in London. Hello, Dr. Mark. Hello, lovely to be here. (laughs) Oh, it's brilliant to have you here. So I'm going to start with... I suppose quite an obvious question, but actually sometimes it's the obvious things that we don't ask. Um, What would you recommend uh, to somebody that is experiencing anxiety? Uh, What should they do to help themselves? Well, I think first and foremost, I think it's very important to remember that anxiety to a degree is normal. Mm -hmm. It's very normal that we have a response to threat, a response to fear, and sometimes a response to stress that includes this feeling of anxiety. So is everybody living with anxiety? Everyone to a degree will experience anxiety. 
in. In fact, if we hadn't had a response that's an anxiety, if you like, an anxiety response, we still probably wouldn't be here as mm-hmm. a species. It's kept us safe. Yeah. Uh, so to a degree, it's very normal to have anxiety. And I think the problem is, if we are experiencing higher levels of anxiety, it's that that response is starting to interfere with our happiness and our everyday lives. It interferes with our relationships. It interferes with our work. Mm. And it really interferes with our ability to get out there and enjoy life. Is that how we gauge when it's gone from actually keeping us safe to actually this isn't normal and this could be becoming problematic? Absolutely. And I think what anxiety is in a way or anxiety problems are, it's kind of our brain doing too good a job of trying to protect us, perhaps at times when it doesn't need to. Mm, Yeah. And our brain becomes a little bit of a bully. Mm-hmm. Because we start hearing the negative self-doubt. Yeah. We start hearing those voices which tell us we're just not good enough. Mm-hmm. And that actually our future looks really bleak. Right, okay. And we start giving those thoughts a lot of attention. Mm, yeah. And sometimes they will drown out and usually do drown out yeah. any of the positive thoughts that we possibly could have, which would be more helpful for us, to be honest with you. And then the problem's sort of becoming bigger than we are almost. Absolutely. It seems that now we are discussing more openly mental health. You know, it's, it's almost getting up there with the same level of discussion that we have about physical health. I mean, I'm nearly 36, and when I was growing up, it had a real stigma to it, whereas if now you can talk about functioning with a mental health problem and still having a relationship and a job, you know, you don't fear that your employer will suddenly sack you if you, if you say that. And that's so important. I think we've started, we've, we've moved on. And I think it's really important that we start thinking about our mental health in the same way as we do our physical health. And actually, we don't need to be defined by a physical health problem. So why should we be defined as uh, with a mental health problem? Yeah. We're all at risk, potentially, of having mental health problems as well. So the more we can normalise it, the more we can take the fear out, if you like, mm. then actually that's really going to help the stigma associated with, with disclosing yeah. problems associated with your mental health. Because that's I, the only way to help. Yeah, because that's the issue, isn't it? When you can't disclose, then you're pretend you're not acknowledging it's happening. Mm-hmm. And then actually you can't access the right advice or treatment. Absolutely. I think the most fundamental thing is if we're experiencing difficulties with our mental health is to reach out and get some help and get some support, friends, family, mm-hmm. professionals. Yeah. It's interesting because when you do meet successful people, um, And obviously success doesn't mean happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of them are, you know, you might describe them as highly strung, you know, or a go-getter or or he doesn't sit still, you know, which, you know, years ago was like an admirable quality of of an entrepreneur. But actually now we're talking more about stillness, meditation, mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Is it aspirational to never sit still and be a go-getter? Does it actually eventually mean breakdown, depression? Maybe they're really wealthy, but are they happy? Again, it's a very difficult question to answer, but I think the evidence does show us that actually not taking time out from this always-on culture Mm. is having detrimental impacts on our well-being at all levels, on both our physical well-being and on our psychological well-being. Yeah. So doing some doing some breathing, and as long as you're breathing out mm-hmm. for longer than you're breathing in, you're starting to calm the sympathetic nervous system response. Mm. It's always something I've found really effective. Mm. And, and in the beginning, I used to think, oh, how patronising. If you're having 
a flashback or a real panic attack. Somebody to tell you to take deep breaths seems like such a ridiculous thing. But when you understand the science behind it, and it's not just a kind of British chin-up kind of offering of sympathy, it actually scientifically does work. It absolutely does work. Yeah. So it's really important to try and get that prefrontal cortex to work again. And oxygen really helps. Yeah. It really, really does. So does some exercise. Well, Bella really talks about mm. that in her episode. How important is exercise for managing anxiety? I think it's it's a vital component. It really is. I think, you know, moving actually really does help us manage our, our mental state. Doing, you know, half an hour or so moderate exercise five times a week has shown to reduce our chances of both developing depression and anxiety, but helps us manage those symptoms if indeed we have them. Mm. Is there genuine freedom from mental health? Is there a cure to depression, anxiety, PTSD? Or do you have to accept this is always going to be with me, but I've got to learn how to be with it? I mean, that's a difficult question to answer very clearly, to be honest with you. I think if you have anxiety problems, for example, I think we can learn to manage them really, really effectively. We're not going to extinguish anxiety because it's important to yeah. one level. Can we, be, can we live free of depression? I think we, we're always going to experience moods, lower moods. Mm. I remember... I was like many people and felt that if I actually did seek help, that was sort of admitting it and that was almost worse and I wanted it to go away. But I realised it couldn't go away on my own. Um, so as a result, it's made me quite a big advocate of, yes, I think it's good to share with friends and family, but I don't think they're always the right people to be your last stop, your last sort of person you confined in. I think you then need to take the next step to professional help. Absolutely. I mean, if that's what you believe will help you. Mm. And again, it's about what you believe will help you. Yeah, because actually it's hard for the people supporting you. Um, and I'd be interested to get your advice on what about loved ones who are on the sidelines and you really love that person? What can those people around them do? Sometimes it's, it's just being there. Mm. Because quite often the individual who's experiencing problems might feel terribly guilty, as you say, terribly, terribly numb. But actually, I think, you know, the worst thing we can say is, why are you depressed or why are you anxious? Yeah. Because quite often the individual is asking that question themselves. Yeah. Well, that's um, why you can go to therapy. You don't necessarily, you can't even tell the therapist yourself, no, can you? No, but then you can explore the feelings. Who, so who does have the answers ultimately? We do. Mm. I don't mean me as a psychologist. No. I think with, it's, it's within us. And I think actually that's a really reassuring fact, isn't it? The answers mm. are within us. They are there. We've just got to do a bit of work on it. And also we to... need some help to get there sometimes. Mm. And there is a lot of help out there now and it's remembering that. And sometimes it might mean medication. Sometimes it might mean therapy. Mm. But a lot of the times as well, it, it might mean getting out there and doing something, doing some exercise yeah. and connecting on a human level with friends and family. And all of these behaviours can really, really support our well-being. You know, getting sleep, sleeping well, eating well and these things that, you know, we... Mm. We know, you know, we know, we know work. They really do. Well, I found it so interesting talking to you. I could just talk to you forever. Um, I think it's just so fascinating. And I also think it's very hopeful and it's uplifting and it's quite reassuring. So thank you for sharing your um, expertise and advice on this episode. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thanks for listening to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this, please help us spread the word. Rate and review the show where you got this or share on socials.